story from my automated future. I wake up in the morning. It's a very important part of my day. I have scripted my morning. I got a number of steps that I do. Once I'm awake, I'm going to do my morning exercises. There's no automation or technology involved in my morning exercises. This is just yoga and some strength exercises. But as soon as I'm done, the next part of my morning is that I ask my smart hub for advice. So I have a cue. I just have a simple cue. And I just ask my smart hub, uh, what's the morning advice? And just with that, a stream of information is given to me. And that stream of information is an admixture of warnings about my calendar, advice about improvements that I could make on my technology devices, health updates that can be given to me about that day specifically, based off of the uh, Apple Watch that I wear that's now got 30 different sensors on it. In some cases, I'm going to reply with instructions. As I get the advice, say, yes, let's upgrade that system, or let's change that time slot. And of course, my smart hub is going to make the adjustments on the fly that I'm getting based on the rundown of my day. Now, a few direct actions are going to be taken by the Smart Hub, but other than that, this is a lot about me just understanding what's possible for the day, where there might be problems for the day, and then me being able to potentially ask a few different questions. Now, Again, critical piece of my morning routine is this conversation with my smart hub. I take a moment and I ponder the decades of my life that were spent without having this type of digital help. And I wonder how slow my progress would have been had I not had something like this to be able to help me. Now, I know... Well, let's say I hope I live long enough to be able to actually see this future come true, where there's a high amount of automation in my personal life that is all triggered off of something as smart as uh, the smart hub that I knows me, knows me personally, so that when I ask for my morning advice, it knows exactly what it is I'm talking about, and it knows who I am, so it's only going to give me my morning advice, right? This is the last podcast in the uh, Intelligent Automation series, and it's all going to be about the future. What's the world going to look like? And in order to do that, a little bit like we've done before, we're going to have to divide up the world into the personal side and the business side. And what we're going to be doing with this is we're going to be extrapolating what's going on. In other words, the seeds are already planted for a lot of the intelligent automation that we're going to get. In my story, for example, we already have smart hubs. We can already ask the smart hub for, hey, what's the more advice, and we can program it to actually understand a little bit of what that might mean. Now, we can't go as far as what I described to you, uh, but we're getting there. You know, we're able to uh, have the Smart Hub access our calendar. Right? We're able to have the Smart Hub understand some specific things about us that it might be able to go check on. You know, we can connect our Smart Hub to a Fitbit or to an Apple Watch so that it, it actually can see how well we slept that night something like that. So the seeds are planted towards a highly automated future that I talked about. That's why I say really what we're going to do with the rest of this podcast on the future is we're going to extrapolate things that are already starting to be here today. In other words, I'm not going to get crazy. When, when I look into the future, I have to think about it in zones. I have to think about what's going to happen over the next year, what's going to happen over three to five years, and then what's going to happen 10 years plus. Well, what I'm going to talk about are all things that we're probably going to see over the next three to five years, not, not things that are out 10 years, although, you know, it's not hard to imagine what those things might be. So it's important for me to, to, to explain to you before we even get started any further, not only are we going to be extrapolating things out, we're going to be following a model. And, and this model I've talked a little bit about before in the other podcasts. So if you're just jumping in and this is the first podcast you're listening to, might not hurt for you to go back and listen to the other three on intelligent automation. But just to catch you up in case this is one that you jumped in on, there's really four eras of automation. Mechanical, which started you know over 100 years ago with the machines automating 
tasks we did physically, computer automation, which started in the 50s, 60s, 70s with mainframes, where we automated more knowledge and data and information tasks. And in the era we're in today, which is the intelligent automation, which is what this whole podcast series is about, where we're now integrating AIs, machine learning, deep learning, intelligent systems into the ability to automate something. So systems that can make a decision like a human would make. But since we are talking about the future, let's talk about the fourth era, cognitive automation. And I'll talk more about that when we uh, when we kind of do some examples of where we're going to go with intelligent. Let's get done with intelligent automation, and then we'll kind of ra- wrap up a little bit with cognitive automation, but what it means to move into that next fourth step. Now, the other thing that's important to understand is the concept of the device mesh, the smart device mesh, and, and how all of the smart devices that we have, the hundreds, thousands of smart devices that uh, we actually run across in our lives, which of course, course, we're just growing the number of smart devices, that those create a mesh, a mesh that gives a lot of capability to us from an automated standpoint, personal or business. But we have to understand that there is a smart device mesh of products and devices, and that they are now getting a brain. Now we are putting on top of all these devices an intelligence mesh, right? A series of AIs that are honing in on all of the data that's being created by the device mesh to be able to create a digital environment that we live inside. And I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. When we talk about intelligent automation in our lives or in, in, in our work, what it's actually starting to look like. Okay? It, it is a lot of machines, devices, and systems that are spinning off data with more and more intelligence sitting on top of all of these devices, helping to make decisions and helping to automate things around us. And we live inside of that mesh. We work inside of that mesh. All right. Now, what I want to do is let's talk about, first of all, intelligent automation going forward in the future in our personal lives. And then let's look at some examples uh, at work. And uh, again, I'm just trying to paint pictures for you so you can see what I see in my mind's eye as I look forward. Now, I've mentioned in earlier podcasts that one of the things to love about automation in our personal lives, it makes it more convenient, healthier, safer, right? And more informed, right? We're more informed. So those four things, right, that automation does, let me break them down for you. When I I say that uh, automation helps our life be more convenient. Think about it this way, that, that, that systems, the mesh of devices around us, which includes appliances, our smart car, our smart home, right? Our, our sprinkler systems, right? All kinds of different smart systems around us. They will more and more begin to work on our behalf to remove frustrations and save time. So right now we might have a lot of smart devices, but they're not always removing frustrations. For example, uh, you could have a smart dishwasher. And the smart dishwasher's got more intelligence than a dumb dishwasher from 10, 15 years ago. But still, if the smart dishwasher isn't removing frustrations or saving time for us, you know, then it's not as helpful as it could be. Well, in the future, there's just no question that that appliances will do things like become self-healing, self-repairing. What that means is the appliance will have an understanding that parts are wearing down or parts are breaking. Or there's issue with hard water starting to clog up a pipe or tubes. Appliances will become more self-aware. I don't care if it's your refrigerator. I mean, I don't care, you know, if it's your television. 
television. I, I don't care. Whatever the appliances are, they will become more self-aware, which means they can be more self-healing and self-repairing. Now, the reason I bring that up just as an example of the future is it, it, it creates more convenience for us. You know, now this mesh of devices around us isn't going to break as much. And if it is going to break, it, we can program it to, to either try to alert us before something bad happens or just call the repair people on its own and, and become self-repairing. Okay, so uh, I, I don't want to go into huge amounts of detail about exactly how that would that will work, but just try to imagine, right, that, that appliances, systems, machines around us become much more self-healing and self-repairing. That's just an example of how intelligent automation in the future will make things more convenient for us. Let me give you a different example. We will have a number of automated assistants that will go do tasks for us. Now, I know we've had this Jetsons picture of a robot that does all kinds of things for us. I have a feeling that it'll probably not so much look like a robot as it will a set of automated assistants, software applications that are assistants that do specific kinds of tasks for us. Now, if I were to give you an example, uh, we'll have an automated assistant that will manage all of our technology and subscriptions for us. And so anything that we are paying monthly for, we will have an automated assistant that oversees all of that. If we want to start a subscription or stop a subscription or pause a subscription for a while, we will have an automated assistant that will do that for us. We don't have to call an 800 number. We don't have to fight through a website to try to figure it out. You know, we don't have to go stop it on our credit card because we don't trust that the, the vendor will stop a subscription. We will have an automated assistant that will just take care of all of that for us. It'll be fantastic. And, and again, from a financial standpoint, could be really convenient. But just managing all the things that we are paying monthly for, just from one automated assistant that has natural language processing, so we just talk to the assistant and it just goes and does the work on our behalf, okay? Okay, just two different examples of what I mean when I say that we will have more convenience in our personal lives. All right, let's go on to the second one, healthier, being healthier. When we look at automated systems in the future, right, we're, we're back to, hey, I have a Fitbit or I have an Apple Watch, I have a device that's pulling 30 different fields of data off my body, maybe 40. And by pulling all of that data off, we can automate the information that comes to us that would help us make better choices. So tell me if there's been some material change in my heart rate, my blood sugar levels, percentage of body fat, right? Notify me in an automated way when there's something I need to know about my health changing. Hey, if my temperature has increased by a degree uh, for over four hours, like give me a heads up on that. Okay, if I'm dehydrated, give me a heads up on that. Like automate giving me information that I need to know so that I can actually run my body in a better way, right? That's, that's a form of, of how automation can help us be healthier. Or think about our healthcare providers, doctors, hospitals. Let's just take doctors. Think about when we'll be able to push all of that data from our devices to our healthcare provider. And in return, they can monitor our vitals. They can monitor the information and be proactive with their advice. You know, giving us true preventative medicine capabilities. Why? Because they have automated being able to watch over thousands of patients, not only looking at my specific data, but comparing my data to other data for people my age, my gender, living where I live, to be able to see all kinds of things I could never see. Like, wow, there's a lot of flu going through my part of town, right? Or people my age seem to be all suffering from the same kinds of things right now. So a lot of automation that will be able to help us be healthier. Let's go on to the third one, safer. Again, future automation. I'll give you two examples. I don't know why I'm onto two examples right now, but let's talk about financial world. Right now, we, we have services that, that you can go sign up for that will automatically monitor people trying to do transactions using your credentials. Obviously, this is going to go much further in the future where we're going to be able to have automated systems that are watching over everything, having to do with our 
our financial uh, wherewithal, our ownership of anything, the use of our credentials out in the world, right? The use of our, our uh, credit information. We'll be able to automate all kinds of alerts so that we can be told anytime anything is materially changing or looks uh, sketchy, right, in our financial world. A different example would be the physical world, that we would have security systems that are watching over us all the time. They know where we are, and they know the, the proclivity of there to be possible crime around us in an ever-changing environment. So, for example, uh, walking across a campus at night might be fine uh, on some nights, might be fine during the day. But on other nights, at other times of the year, we might get alerts telling us that we should probably not be walking across campus at this time of night. So, in other words, a dynamic safety system that knows where we are, knows the conditions around us, and it's automating alerts to us to at least make us aware that the risk level around us has gone up. All right, the last one much more informed. This one I'm pretty excited about uh, because I, I just love the potential of technology to help us build a better learning ecosystem, how we learn. So we're going to have much more of an ability in the future to design an automated learning ecosystem. We will have many more applications that we can string together that are watching for topics that we are interested in and bringing us that information in real time, putting it where we want it, alerting us to things uh, when we might need to know them if, if it's a, a higher priority for us to learn that piece of information. So just think about all the vast amount of information that's on the internet now or available uh, over over uh, bandwidth. And just think about having an ability to automate the delivery of all of that information to us, to whatever application we want, uh, to any way that we want it, audio, text, you know, many different choices so that we can automate our learning ecosystem to be able to better learn. Okay, All things that, uh, to me, I'm not guessing that these things will happen. The seeds are already planted. We know this is what automation is going to look like in the future of our personal lives. This and much, much more. All right, let's paint the pictures of intelligent automation at work. All right, same thing. Let me go through four different uh, areas. L let's start off talking about efficiency, right? Being able to be efficient at work. Now, obviously, we're going to be co-working with AIs and robotics, whether it's physical robots or virtual bots. So we're going to be co-working with intelligent systems, they're going to be able to start handling many of the repetitive tasks uh, or uh, the highly intellectual tasks that would be difficult for any one human to be able to answer. And so we're going to build more and more automation to do these kinds of tasks, to watch over processes and systems and notify us if a human needs to take action. So instead of us manually doing a lot of the steps in processes and systems, it's going to be much more us watching over those or being alerted if there's any problems because the automated systems believe that a human needs to pay attention to something. That's my general comment about efficiency. Now, we could look at this in different industries. We could say, okay, in healthcare, if you think about nursing, right, the ability to watch over a patient and the state that the patient is in and completely automate uh, uh, the care process. Now, I'm not trying to, to not have a nurse be face-to-face -face with a patient. I'm trying to dramatically improve patient care without it having to be done manually uh, by a nurse or by a practitioner. In banking, banking is just a huge stream of financial transactions with many, many customers and in a bank that is providing services. And there's huge capability to automate all kinds of processes to make the customer experience better, to help with security and fraud. And all of these could make banking more efficient, which would actually make it more fun if you work for a bank to be able to only be involved when there's real value to a human being involved, as opposed to humans doing manual tasks, paper 
paperwork, as it were. I know it's not paper anymore, but paperwork uh, that's just highly repetitive, moving data from one place to the other, just looking at data and analyzing it for anomalies. You know, manufacturing. I mean, obviously in manufacturing, we can get more efficient because not only can we uh, continue to put automated equipment on the factory floor, uh, we can do all kinds of monitoring of our the devices that we are selling that we manufacture. So more and more manufacturing will have a will we'll manufacture our product. They'll have some intelligence in it so that a manufacturer can actually monitor the usage of their products in some ways, which will completely change uh, in a lot of cases their revenue models, completely change uh, their insights into the project products that they're manufacturing. So we know that that's one thing we're going to get from the future of intelligent automation is a lot more efficiency in organizations when it comes to just doing the work or monitoring the work that was done. All right, two, again, safer physically. We can't ignore that automation in the workplace is also going to result in, you know, getting using robotics and AIs, mixing AIs and robots uh, to be able to take over tasks that were hard, dangerous physically, you know, so that we just make things safer for people from a physical standpoint. Now, I'll give you three examples. Uh, Firefighting. Right now, I talk a lot about the fact that we send human beings into burning buildings at times without a huge amount of information uh, who are risking their lives, you know, to save others. You know, it's just a fantastically brave thing that firefighters do. You know, they can go months and months, and then all of a sudden that day comes when they have to go put their lives in danger. Well, obviously, Mumix AIs and robotics, and we actually could lean more on robots and the AIs and drones and robot firefighting systems, right, to be able to do firefighting without putting humans in harm's way quite as much. Or the construction industry, right? You get a lot of injuries in the construction industry, either, you know, somebody who uh, you know, smashes a finger or cuts off an appendage or, you know, has a crush, you know, incident or, you know, even more minor things. But construction, because human beings are dealing with heavy equipment and heavy materials, there's just a, a lot of potential for injury. But again, as we automate the construction industry more and more, we have automated bricklaying, you know, autom- automated uh, sheetrock hangers, right? As we're using AIs and robotics to do more and more of the construction process, we'll make it safer for the construction companies. Or agriculture, you know, in agriculture, whether it's, you know, ranching or ag, you know, there's the potential for injury, either lifting injury or, uh, you know, injury from being um, cut or falling off something if you're picking, uh, you know, picking fruit or, you know, picking vegetables, you know, there could be injuries from animals. So anyway, in the agricultural industry, same thing, right? We can make it a lot safer by automating tasks that in the past were done by human beings in a physical way. All right, let's look at a a third area, Uh, making work less time consuming. This is an interesting one. You know, it was always thought that when we invented computers, that what would happen is they would take over work for humans and we would work less. And we haven't seen that. It's been quite the opposite. Computers have allowed us to work more. And a lot of people, they want to move up in the world. They want to make more money. They want to be uh, more efficient with what they do. So when computers free time, they just reinvest that time in more work or different kinds of work. However, I will say, I do believe in the future of automation, that as our automated systems become more and more intelligent, they replace more and more what humans can do from uh, thinking uh, in a piece of an automated process. We actually will get to a time where the automated systems can do more of the time-intensive tasks, which will at least give us more choices on do we want to continue to work the amount of hours and work at the pace we're working, or do we want to back off a little bit? Like, I always think about the accounting department and CFOs and how they're, in a lot of cases, there's a lot of just, you know, ditch digging work to do payables, receivables 
receivables, you know, audit numbers, track and fill in data, somebody's missing an expense file, you know, did something get booked correctly, right? When we can automate really all of that, almost all of that, it really does give the accounting department or the CFO an ability to have a machine that does the accounting and the auditing. It's all, you know, all automated, a dynamic machine that does that. And then they can decide, hey, do we want to spend more time on human tasks or, you know, do we just want to work less hours, right? And I don't mean work less hours like, oh, I'm only working three hours a day. Uh, I mean, instead of working the 10 to 12 hours a day that some people in accounting work is you can work less. The same thing in the legal department, same thing. All right, let's look at a fourth area, uh, work being more fun, creative, and fulfilling. Now, some people, this might sound like a pipe dream. They're like, okay, Scott, everything up to here, I understood, it's very practical. But you just said fun, creative, and fulfilling at work. And I don't know how we can say the future might hold that. Well, look, here's my argument. As you use intelligent automation to do more and more of the work that humans do, especially the highly repetitive manual tasks, dangerous tasks that we're doing, then what you're left with is human beings being able to do things that are more human, creative, innovative, right? When you do that, I really do think it gives the potential for careers to end up being more fun, creative, and fulfilling because there aren't components of it that are mind-numbing. I think all the time about what I do and what I do for a living. There are pieces of what I do, I love the moments of doing them. There are pieces of what I do, it's ditch digging. I have to do it because it's part of the process, but I don't really like it. Well, you know, intelligent automation in the future is going to more and more get rid of those tasks, those ditch digging tasks I don't like to do, which is going to allow me at least the potential to do the things that are fun, creative, and much more fulfilling to me. And so that's something that I see in the future. Yes, this is the Digital Optimist podcast. I really believe this. I believed this for a long time, that that's a future that we're headed towards, that automation is going to give us that ability. All right. I said that I wanted to talk a little bit more about cognitive automation, kind of the fourth era that we're going to be moving into pretty soon. So let me just paint that picture. Intelligent automation just means we're able to use AIs to look at dynamic data within a, a process or a system and make a decision like a human, which is different than the computer era of automation where it couldn't handle dynamic data. It All of the steps had to be, here's one option, then go do this step. Here's another option, go do this step. That's all we could do with computer automation. But with intelligent automation, we could actually have it understand how to make a decision based on all kinds of different variable data, just like a human would be able to sort through to figure out the next step. Cognitive automation takes it a step further. Not only is the automation process intelligent, we add on things like self-learning. Now now the intelligent automation system is always observing when something isn't working or when something has to be done manually by a human, and it's trying to build rules so that it doesn't have to reach for help anymore, or it builds its own rules to optimize the process. Why? Because it's a cognitive system, and it understands its purpose. It understands what the process is supposed to be accomplishing. It's cognitive, so now it's self-learning, and so it's looking to self-improve. Now, another aspect of a cognitive system is it can do research on its own. So if it does hit a roadblock, it can actually go out and do a bit of research to see if it can find the answers to help it get by a roadblock or a decision that it doesn't know how to make. Now, that's the same thing that a human would do. At times, if we have to make a decision, we don't know whether to go right or left. We're going to do a little bit of research to make a decision on whether we should go right or left. That's what a cognitive system is going to be able to do. It's going to go look for resources to try to help it improve its own decision making. In fact, I think you could say a cognitive system can think. Now, I know that's, again, stepping over a line where people like Scott machines can't think. Like, well, we'd have to talk for a long time about what the definition of thinking is. When when a human 
human thinks, to me, a human is exploring options. That's what thinking is. I'm looking over past experiences. I am exploring options. That would be a, one definition of thinking, okay? So forget the philosophy of uh, I think, therefore I am. We'll set aside that uh, and just say, I believe one way of looking at a thinking machine would be it can explore options and make a decision based on those options. So in some crude way, a cognitive system can think. And then the last thing is it can it can communicate really well. So a cognitive system can do all of this, self-learn, uh, understands its purpose, can do some research on its own, can somewhat explore options and think, and then it can also talk to humans or talk to other automated systems. So it has natural language processing. You know, if if the system incurs, has a problem and needs advice from a human, it would know to ask and it could ask. And obviously that's not very hard to think about since we already have uh, smart hubs that we can talk to and communicate with. All right, a cognitive system. I just wanted to make sure that you had some picture in your minds of what a cognitive system looks like. Now, you can probably guess that one of the problems we're going to have is as we build these more intelligent systems is the complexity. You, you, you know, you hear me say this all the time, that, that as we go through the digital transformation, we're building more and more complex systems. So in order to do intelligent and cognitive automation, we're going to have to bolt together more and more disparate systems. Hey, you heard my story right off the bat that I asked the smart hub, what's your advice for the day? It's going to reach out to multiple disparate systems, right? My my Apple Watch or my Fitbit, my calendar, uh, the news of the day, right? It's going to, the weather, it's going to reach out into all these disparate systems and then do some logic. And then it's going to start talking to me about what my options are for the day. But the key here is it's connected to a lot of disparate systems. Well, when you're connecting all kinds of disparate systems and a bunch of logic built in, uh, that means you've got complexity. So now think about all this automation that we're building as being in some cases inside of systems and then in some cases in between systems. So just see it that way. See the digital plumbing as we have more and more hardware software systems, more and more devices, more and more applications. I'll say it that way. And then you have more and more automation between these systems and within these systems. And so the web, the web of the mesh of devices and AIs becomes more and more complicated. And we just need to, to know that. And as it becomes more complicated, right, then one of the problems that we're going to have is just constantly having to repair the automated systems when they break, because we will become more and more dependent or interested in having these systems work really well. And so when they don't work well, because some disparate system doesn't talk to each other anymore, it quote unquote breaks, right, we're going to spend more and more time having to repair the automated systems that are around us, right? At a real simple level, you know, I use the sprinkler system all the time as a as an example. When my sprinkler system breaks, you know, the problem with that is uh, I have to now go water the lawn. And if I don't water the lawn, it might burn up. So, uh, but when the sprinkler system breaks, and let's just say it's because uh, some of the pipes underground got broken, not always a simple thing to, sit, to fix. I have to dig it up. I got to replace the PVC. I got to hire somebody to come out and do all that, right? That's a physical manifestation of the complexity of just one thing that we've automated when it breaks, the sprinkler system. Yeah, well, imagine the mesh that we've been talking about and how much more complicated that is and how many more times we're going to reach for some automation and it's not going to work the way we want it to be because of all of that. So anyway, uh, I just, I, you know, I always want to talk about some of the problems before I talk about all the positive things. But when I transport myself into the future, I am thrilled with the potential of cognitive and intelligent automation. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with this ability to free us, uh, to help us find more 
more balance, uh, where we now have more time and more energy uh, that we can spend away with te- away from technology or on technology, but we can choose. I love the idea that all this automation frees my life. And certainly, if you've done any kind of automating in your own personal life already, you have any kind of smart home, you know, any kind of uh, autonomy on your car, right, of being able to do things on its own, uh, you know, and you're starting to see some of the benefits that we're going to get from all of this. And so I'm so happy with where it's going to go. Now, we're going to have to trust that the automated mesh will work and act on our behalf. We're going to have to trust it. And that's an interesting thing because different people have a different level of trust for machines and automation. And we're going to really need to think about how do we increase that trust? You know, how, how do we trust the machines to do what they can do and automate a lot of parts of our life or part of our work? So as humans, we can connect, create, collaborate, and grow. So in other words, we can do what we need to do on the other side, you know, just to be good humans. We're going to have to trust the machines to do their part. And we do have a problem with that. Not everybody is up for trusting the machines. And you can look at that if you look today with autonomous planes or trucks, semis, or cars, right? We, we're able to build autonomous planes today. We're able to build autonomous trucks and cars. Uh, yeah, yes, they're going to get better and better. They're not completely done yet. But even when it's proven that autonomous planes, trucks, and cars will do better than ones with pilots or drivers, it's going to take decades, decades for some people to ever trust these fully autonomous pieces of equipment because they've always had control of them and they have a, a belief in their mind that the human can control these devices better, especially in an emergency, than the devices can control themselves. Now, obviously, there's some point it crosses over and that's not true anymore. There's a point where a plane can fly itself better than any pilot could ever fly it or a semi could drive itself better, safer than any human could drive one. There is a point that that will happen. And at that point, we have to be willing to let go of our fears, trust the automation, and trust the devices to be able to do what they've been built to do. Now, we've done that in the past, maybe not with something that's so dangerous, but I always say, hey, we've learned to trust the calculator. Now, we've had more time with the calculator, but no one really sits around using a calculator and then says, hey, let me do all this math by hand and see if I can figure out what it should be done by hand. We just trust the calculator to do its job. All right, I believe we can learn to trust extreme automation. I I believe we can learn to trust it. And when we do, going to make the world a better place for all the reasons that I've been painting as I've painted into our personal lives and in the work world. Yes, there will be some problems that will come along with the complexity, all this automation. Yes, at times, automated systems are going to let us down. But in the big picture, having this mesh, right, the mesh of devices and the mesh of intelligence that sits over the top, and we live within this mesh, it really can free us to, again, connect, create, collaborate, and grow as human beings. The good will outweigh the bad. It will. All right, we'll see. I guess we'll all live long enough to see a lot of this, and we'll see if I'm right, but I 100% believe that this is where we're going with automation. So that wraps up our automation series. Uh, The next series is going to be on the uh, quantified world. Uh, So it's going to be a whole series about how technology can quantify our lives, you know, everything that's going on. And we're going to talk about everything from privacy, trust, all kinds of things around what happens in a quantified world. So hopefully you'll find that series interesting. All right. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a great Humology Day. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at sklosowski or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklosowski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing. 
please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents, and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.